Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by the United Ways of Chautauqua County. United Way is a nonprofit organization with a mission to mobilize the community to help every person and family improve their lives. Last year, their Volunteer Income Tax Assistance, or VITA program, helped 1,400 households file their taxes for free. This year, the expanded child tax credit is available to Chautauqua County households with children, even if they don't normally file taxes or have a recent income. Nearly every parent or caregiver of a child with a Social Security number can receive up to $3,600 per child, and it's not too late. Learn more at getctc.org chq. It only takes about 15 minutes online to claim the child tax credit and learn about eligibility. The United Ways of Chautauqua County, proud supporters of community radio in Jamestown, New York. To learn more, visit UASCC.org or UnitedWayNCC.org. You are tuned in to Arts on Fire right here on 107.9 WRFA. Today, I am talking to Pat Hazel, who is a comedian, a writer, and he has uh, he's put together this amazing thing we got going on here at the Reg tomorrow. It is Carson tonight, Johnny's Comedy and Variety Acts Live. That is going on here at the Reg starting at 7 p.m. tomorrow. We're going to talk about that and uh, what Pat is up to and, I mean, really get more information on uh, this Carson Tonight performance. But, uh, Pat, how are you doing? I'm well, and I can't tell you, Anthony, I love this Arts on Fire title. It really makes it epic, right? I love the urgency of Arts on Fire. Oh, I I love it, and I got to tell you, I I can take no credit. I started hosting this earlier this year, and it's been around a long time, but I got to say, one of the best titles on on this uh, radio station and, and even before i was on it but, well i'm a big supporter of the arts and of theater and all, anything that has to do with performing arts and oftentimes it's a it's sort of a soft sell next to sports or other things but this <laughs> makes it really exciting so uh thank you for that oh of course of course you know i want to i want to get into this it looks really neat so i mean Again, going on tomorrow, it's the uh, Carson and Knight, Johnny's Comedy and Variety Acts Live. And if I'm not mistaken, you were kind of the brains behind this idea. I mean, on top of hosting and performing and everything, I, this this was kind of your idea. I mean, what what inspired you to create the show? Where did the idea for all of this come about? Like, can you take us back to the beginning of uh, kind of putting sure. all of this together? Well, I, will, I pitched it be- for two reasons. Uh, the truth is I have this podcast called Creativity and Captivity, and I had had the executive director of the National Comedy Center on, Journey Gunderson, uh, told uh, about a, an upcoming exhibit, which is now really coming this weekend, is the immersive Johnny Carson experience. It sounded really awesome. Johnny was somebody I idolized and when I lived in Nebraska, and I wanted to be on his show. I was lucky enough in 1989 to be selected to do stand-up comedy. So there was always this sort of path to try to almost become a Johnny Carson type person, which I was not the only one inspired. Many comics were to do that. And so I thought, well, it it might be fun to put on a production that salutes and celebrates Johnny's love of the Variety Act. So I pitched it to them that in conjunction with the rolling out of this, you know, high tech exhibit that includes a hologram of, of, of Jimmy Fallon talking about Johnny's career and them showing clips and being able to see some of this original memorabilia. And I have to tell you, when I contacted people who made Johnny made their career launch, magician Lance Burton, uh, the ventriloquist Jay Johnson from Soap, uh, Joan Embry from the Wild Animal Park, every one of them, to, uh, it's right down to the last one, said, oh my God, that sounds 
great. I love Johnny. Johnny did so much for my career. So kind of it was a reunion for all of these folks. And at the same time, it was sort of outwardly facing a live performance event, which would allow people to be attracted to coming to the exhibit. So uh, Journey jumped on the idea. Her staff really liked it. We were able to reach out to people uh, like Teresa Ganzel, who was a mighty art, uh, Carson art player that did sketches with Johnny. And they were all super willing to be a part of this really one night only special event that was created just for Jamestown, just for Saturday night. Like this is not a touring show. This is not an ongoing thing. It, and we picked kind of what we considered to be the best of the magic world, the best of the juggling world, the best of the of uh, stand-up comedy. And, and brought them all together for this really one night kind of haha palooza, I guess you would say. <laughs> That's, I mean, that is uh, really neat. And on top of, I mean, like you just said, it being like, like one night only, if you want to see it, this is your chance to see it. I feel like makes it all that, uh, you know, kind of much more special for you, like, yeah. like putting this together. And it sounds like it was kind of smooth, but I mean, the process of doing all this now that we're here and it's ready to go, I mean, was the process the whole way through pretty smooth and easy or was, was there any bumps kind of putting like something like this together at all? Uh, not so many bumps in terms of the talent and the unique opportunity. Uh, it happened to come, I was producing the Carl Reiner uh, event a few weeks before and there's a beautiful exhibit to Carl Reiner and the archives of his family and we did something at the Chautauqua a few weeks back and then they had the Lucille Ball Comedy Festival. So just the idea of all the the surge of all these things happening was <laughs> it, they, it it taxed everybody's bandwidth. But it, you know anybody that goes to anything they do knows how important it is for people to gather again. I guess what I would say, since you're in the arts business, is that two years of a pandemic really uh, we started going into Zoom and we started watching things online. And it's not satisfying when you see the arts live and it's contagious and people laugh together or cry together or applaud together or feel a musical experience together. You know, it is something that, that we've craved. And if there was any grieving that was happening that we were unaware of, besides sort of the, the difficulty of the health issues and all that, it was the fact that we were separating humanity where everyone was suddenly just looking at a device and uh, that's why this kind of thing to me makes it super special is that these performers, some of them were on the show at the same time. Let's say, you know, a woman like Joan Embry from the wild animal park, she was probably on with Johnny 60 or 70 times with different animals. Right. And sub subsequently she was then on at a time that Teresa was on or that Jay Johnson was doing ventriloquism. So, you know, there is a camaraderie uh, of, of, having been a veteran of the tonight show that allows us to have a meal together and to do a sound check together and to go to the museum and see Johnny's memorabilia, that rainbow curtain that was so famous behind Johnny. And I don't know if you're aware of it, but it was iconic and you know, it's kind of a, almost a nostalgic emotional thing for some of these people uh, because it really was a symbol of comfort, late night comfort, right? After the news and all of that sort of thing, audiences would tune into Johnny to hear the jokes of the day or the jokes of the week and see some of the best talent they could see. And Johnny set the standard for all of the late night shows we see tonight. You know, anybody that's been on from Letterman to now 
is somebody that is in following Johnny's template and his footsteps, right? Oh, he absolutely. was the most energetic and convivial host, and he loved amplifying, you know, celebrities and stars, but also the small, the person that dressed up dogs, you know, <laughs> like spelling bee champion, and nobody did it better. So I guess, you know, one of the really fun things we've got that's happening as well is that Jeff Sonsing, who's the president of Carson Entertainment Group, he'll be showing highlight clips of Johnny's funniest reactions to to things. And Joan Embry will be showing wacky animal things that happened where a marmoset got onto Johnny's head and hung into his hair. So it's kind of like it's a hybrid of clips and live performances and volunteers out of the audience. And, you know, just a, it's a super, I don't know, it's a convergence, I guess, of of energy that that is in support of what Johnny did for all of them, right? Yeah. Everybody here for this celebration and wanting him not to be forgotten for the impact he made on comedy, he made on their careers. You know, it's it, and and I was sort of a young guy that got my start in in stand-up comedy and to get the okay symbol or the thumbs up from Johnny uh, allowed me then to move on to say as seen on the Tonight show and that was a big deal before there was YouTube and all the other things, right? It was the yeah. only place you could get a forum or a platform big enough for people to say, oh, Johnny approves of them. We approve of them, right? We'll put hire them for a corporate thing. We'll hire them. And so, I don't know. This is a little bit of a payback, you know, um, for all of us to say, you know, thank you to Johnny. That's really neat. I mean, and I also, I mean, I definitely want to ask because, I mean, being – yeah, I mean, you were you were on Carson. Like that is that is such a huge thing. Like for you when you were on, I, I always wonder this, including like late. I mean, I, I guess anything, but like those late night performances. I mean, could you enjoy it in the moment, or are you a ball of nerves where almost you can't enjoy it until it's done? You know what I mean? Like in the moment of that performance, can you take it all in, or are you just like, oh my god, like I'm on? You, you just almost have to pay attention to what you're doing. Not the first time, boy. It's all adrenaline. You can't believe when you walk out of that curtain that you're in charge of television for six or seven minutes because you go, wait a minute. I'm on the other side of the curtain now facing the camera. Everybody at home is watching. Uh, you know, it was and this was a time where there were only three or four television stations. There wasn't all this cable stuff. Right. So a lot more eyes were tuned in. The stakes were fairly high. And then you were if you did well you know, to, to be beckoned over to the panel or the couch, that was like graduation day for a comedian, right? Um, and and that was all you wanted was Johnny to approve of you. And so many careers were launched. I watched, because I was much younger, I watched Jerry Seinfeld and Gary Shandling and, you know, Roseanne Barr and Joan Rivers. I watched all of them get their start through Johnny's, you know, wrapping his arms around them. And some of them were on many, many times, right? And each time, it was a just a, a, a bigger boon to their career, uh, to the point that some of them, including Jay and Joan or whatever, eventually became guest hosts or hosts themselves and spun off to other shows. Um, and all of that is foundationally built on the fact that Johnny was the king of late night. There's just no other way to look at it. You know, there were people before him, you know, that did great things. But he entered a new era of of people tuning in. And he kind of stayed non-political and non-religious. You know, like his his humor was really convivial and really, um, I guess, all welcoming. Maybe that was part of his Midwestern upbringing. But 
you know, he didn't, he didn't really venture into anything, you know, dark or personal other than, you know, like jokes about divorce and things where we all kind of knew a little bit was going on in his life, you know? <laughs> you know, and it's, it's kind of hard to do. So, I mean, it's, I guess it's more of like matter of opinion and stuff, but like you do look at Carson. I mean, it, it is, I mean, I, I would say he's like the most celebrated of late night of all time. And you're right. I mean, there's just, there's Carson and there's kind of everyone else. Like, you know, the fact the fact of the matter is, I mean, is there anything you you would say in your opinion on why he was as good as he was, why he is not only celebrating his day, obviously he was celebrated back then, it was a huge part of pop culture, but I mean, we're talking 30 years now off the air. I mean, I'm I'm 29 and I know of him and he was off the air before I was born, like right, right, right. before. Well, I think this stuff holds up and part of it is he was a very witty guy. He was very quick and off the cuff. And he also knew how to recover. If he did a monologue joke and it didn't go well, you know, he would find a way back and get a laugh on the tag or the thing that followed. But I really think that the art of the interview for him is that, you know, my understanding that he was kind of a shy guy and would not go to parties and not be publicly out. But he used the form of being on the show to be social and to really amplify the voice of everybody, no matter what they did. He was wanting the guests to shine and that even now there are some hosts that aren't great listeners or they don't, they're waiting to tell a joke and he never made a joke at their expense. He would make it at his own expense or he'd let an animal have the best of him or he'd do, you know, any of those highlight clips that you see, you go, Oh, this guy is really in the moment the whole time. Plus, it's strange, but the big band era with Doc Severance and music and all of that, it kind of made it feel like it was real show business. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that there was he was of his time. You know, he came along at the right time and was in the right seat. And he probably could have stayed much longer. Um, I think there was just a, a changeover in sort of sensibility and, you know, one of those kind of awkward moments where – you know, uh, new contemporary voices were trying to be, you know, to become the stars and that sort of thing. So, you know, he probably could have lasted another five years if, if, if the industry would have been more supportive of that. Right. Oh, yeah. But, it, but in all the years that he did, if you go back and look at highlights or look at the old DVD sets or look at any of that, you are going to find uproarious stuff. If you go on YouTube and, and Google buddy Hackett or Don Rickles or some of these guys, you're going to see real deep guttural laughter from Johnny watching other funny people be on the panel. Right. And there was a time when they, they smoked and drank on the show. <laughs> like, you know, there was an era that it transferred through. I think it initially it was a 90 minute show before it got reduced and they had to do that every night of the week. Right. Five Jeez. nights. A week. It's a lot of content, yes. right? So I to fill. Yeah. And I remember hearing him, give advice to someone else or, or maybe it was Jack Parr or somebody who said to Johnny, he said, you are going to use everything that's ever happened in your life. <laughs> and he said, anything you had in your act or you think was an insurance policy, you're going to spend that in the first week. It's going to be gone. And you have got to be able to play these as they come. And you have to be able to be open and keep your mind there because it's a very hungry machine every, every night. <laughs> Uh, and I don't know, he did it with such ease and, you know, confidence that, you know, I don't know, I was always impressed by it. And I do remember being young and my dad allowing me to stay up late or if there was a stand-up comic on, 
he would let me sneak into his office and watch it with him, you know, without telling my mom. And that really, it allowed me to understand that you could be a comedian for a living. And I tell you, it made all the difference in the world because that was not on the career choices at school when they would, you know, you go to the guidance counter. You could be an FBI agent. You could be a few things. But if there was no comedy. There was no theater. There was nothing like that. And, you know, I felt like my dad was showing me um, the possibilities, right? It was hopeful that if I thought it was funny and I worked at it, maybe I could make a living. And, you know, at this, you know, retrospectively looking back and thinking how lucky for me that 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 Johnny gave up forum to Jerry Seinfeld, who later had me as a writer on his show. Like there's there's connective tissue in all of this that had Johnny not had Jay, uh, Jay and Jerry and Gary and all of them on the show. There, there wouldn't have been the same opportunity for me to be a warm-up comedian or to be a sitcom writer or to be a producer. Like all of that is, there's a, a fraternity, I guess, which the Comedy Center shows you that. If you go there and see their exhibits, you go, oh my gosh, look at how everybody's connected back to Carl Reiner through the Dick Van Dyke show and your show of shows and all, you know, and I think that's such an impressive organization over there because yeah. they're not, celebrating uh, what is a great American export, right? Stand-up comedy, you don't think of, oh, let's look at the great German comics or these people from Croatia, right? Like, you, it's, it's a little like Broadway, since you're in the arts, you can understand that this is one of our great American exports is we do this well. We do theater well, we do stand-up comedy well. You know, it, other countries can have, you know, a lock on ethnic food and on other things. But this is something that Americans really do well, is stand-up comedy and theater. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, I mean, I also, again, you know, we were, like, talking about to, uh, you know, Johnny just being such a legend and stuff. Still, that yeah, you can find in, in, in current-day pop culture, you can still connect it back. There's still many, many, uh, you know, weaves and stuff that were made. You could take it all the way back to Johnny Carson, yep. which is absolutely yep. amazing. Some of these guests, I got to tell you, like Jay Johnson is, you know, one of the best ventriloquists in the world and he is sharp and he is funny. Right. And you know, you would go see a all night show. He's a Tony winner for, for a show on Broadway and you could watch, you know, a whole night of Jay Johnson, right? Lance Burton, master magician was headliner in Las Vegas for years. And you would pay 50 to a hundred dollars to just go see Lance. Right. So we're collecting, I guess the sampler platter of the best variety acts in the world. And it's all for one, you know, low price or whatever you want to say from a standpoint of if you're within a half hour of Jamestown, this is a kind of show where you get the best of every field. The, the passing zone jugglers, they were right at the top of the heap for Amer America's Got Talent a few different years in a row. And, you know, it, it, you, they just don't get better than that for jugglers. Right. Yeah. So it's cool. I really, and we have, we have Don Reed who's a champion storyteller for snap judgment, which is an NPR. He was like given the storyteller of the year, a couple of years oh, wow. for some of it. Yeah. And you Google some of these people and you're not going to see any kind of half-baked performance from them uh, because they're so good at what they do. It's going to be a really good show. It's going to be a, uh, yeah, 90 minutes. I like, and again, like the variety thing, that's the other nice thing is, yeah, you're getting, you're getting all of these people who are masters of their craft 
but you're right. getting multi, you're getting ver, uh, again variety of them. You're getting more than just one, which is uh, I mean, just a night full of entertainment. It sounds like a really good time. Yeah, yeah. Comedian Kathy Ladman was on with Johnny about nine times. You know, uh, Teresa Ganzel was one of the. She's I think maybe the last of the Mighty Carson art players. So if people remember any of the sketches where Johnny would do, you know, Art Fern or or the Tea Time movie reviews or whatever, you know, Teresa was the blonde that played next to him. And, you know, we've been pulling highlight clips where Johnny's mustache fell off and other things that people, <laughs> you know, it's just so fun to watch. Right. So I feel extra privileged as a producer of the show to be able to go into those archives of Carson Entertainment and pull our favorite clips. I've even decided that since this is about Johnny, I went in and picked Johnny's intros out on video, and he's actually introducing each of the acts that comes out on stage. So oh, nice. That's a great first, idea. Yeah. So he's telling, he's you can see his enthusiasm. He was a magic buff anyway, but you can see how impressed he is when he introduces Lance Burton, he's just, you know, it's glowing when he introduces him, you know, and, um, you know, Lance is bringing, is swinging in with his tour bus and he's bringing, you know, a special illusion or he's a volunteer out of the audience. And, you know, this is really, this is something that a corporate event, they would pay, you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars to bring all these people together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it just, it, it happens to be um, coming together because, they are launching, they're doing the ribbon cutting of the Johnny Carson Immersive Experience at the National Comedy Center on Saturday in the daytime. And from then on, it will be open to the public to see and experience all of that kind of thing. And, you know, we're, <laughs> I guess it's a moment in time. And I don't know how much you can say about that because we're not recording it for broadcast. It's not going to live stream. You have to come to the theater for the experience. Um, and, and they're treating us like kings and queens for a few days, right? So it's <laughs> super, super fun. Nice, nice. So, I mean, yeah, we have not only the performance, but a great exhibit now coming up uh, over at the Comedy Center. Lots and lots of uh, Carson to check out. But again, I mean, if you're listening to this on Friday, tomorrow we got Carson and Knight, Johnny's Comedy and Variety X live downstairs from where I'm recording this right now at the Reg Linnae. Um, I mean, Pat, great talking to you, man. I mean, is there anything else we should add or let people know on top of, I mean, this? Are you working on anything else currently we should uh, go check out? Well, two things. Number one, they can easily get a ticket for this by going to, to comedycenter.org slash Carson, right? That, that'll that get them right to the event. But I, I have a podcast that I'm particularly proud of that your listener, because they're arts people, may like, and it's called Creativity in Captivity, and it's on every podcast platform. And part of why this even came about was I had had Journey Gunderson on that podcast to talk about comedy and how important it was to preserve it. And, you know, I've had chief creative officer of Pixar, Pete Docter on there. I've had Frank Oz, Jerry Seinfeld about how he writes comedy, uh, you know, Broadway directors, Jason Alexander about, you know, life as a sitcom star. Every Thursday I drop a new episode with some eclectic arts point of view and talk about people's creative process. And it's a bit of a niche, but it's for anybody who feels like their, you know, their vibe becomes their tribe, right? That if you, if you're a visual artist or you're a person that, you know, is curious about choreography or something, there is a, you know, there's maybe 70 episodes already sitting there with some of the most creative people in the world. And I am 
absolutely lucky to be in the seat of curiosity to have conversations with them that are casual and intimate. And they, the pandemic was a, a gift in this way because if I wasn't working and they weren't working and we wanted to talk about what we did and how we did it, it was easier to get on their schedule when things were slow, right? Okay. Now it's almost impossible to get to them because they're all so busy, but you couldn't be prouder of those things. And some of the people that I, it was easy to get in touch with Jay Johnson and Don Reed because they had already been a guest on the podcast. So <laughs> I, I kind of handpicked everybody for, you know, the purpose of having the most interesting show we could have on Saturday night. It's going to be a really, it's going to be a really good time. And I mean, that podcast also, I feel like if you're listening to this, it's probably up your alley. You can give that a listen as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Pat has been great talking to you. Go see Pat Hazel and all the other great performers again tomorrow, Saturday, August 13th, one night only, 7 p.m. at the beautiful Regilene right here in Jamestown. It is Carson tonight, Johnny's Comedy and Variety Acts Live, as well as the Carson Exhibit over at the Comedy Center. Great talking to you, Pat. You have been listening to Arts on Fire right here on 107.9 WRFA.